1: And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way because they know that home is so much more than a house. It's the home of your dreams. And for 30 years, they've been making it better. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get Mortgage. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Jim Everett, going to be joining us in just about an hour from now. Five burning questions. It's usually listed at 12.20 p.m. Eastern. It'll probably end up at 12.40 p.m. Eastern, 9.40 a.m. Pacific, because what I'm about to say might take some time to explain, and it tends to take up a lot of time, and I don't want to push five burning questions off. We're supposed to do a Week 9 preview. I don't know if I'll get a chance to do it today. There's a lot to talk about. The NCAA... And allowing players to profit from their likeness, that's going to be a big issue for everybody. And that's already been a big issue for everybody today. I think it's a great thing for the NCAA. People are going to say, well, you're finally getting one over in the NCAA. You're telling me the NCAA doesn't have to provide a stipend for you, but they can allow you to do this? Oh, that's fantastic for them. They're very happy about that. And, yes, Urban Meyer to USC makes sense no matter which way you look at it. Now, before I go talking about Baker Mayfield, I'll just point this out. Notre Dame is Golden Dome. Notre Dame is tradition. Notre Dame, and while there are certain closets that you don't want to go into because there's skeletons in there with Notre Dame, Notre Dame does want to hold itself to a high standard. Notre Dame's like grandma. If you're a person of a certain age, Tom is 30 years old. Tom, you're 30, right? That's correct. In our generation. Billy Jack, you're about 29, 30, right? 30, yeah. Bingo, in our generation, we are probably the last generation that we had grandmothers, and this isn't the truth for everybody, but we had grandmothers where there were certain things you didn't discuss. In this generation now, if I live long enough, more than likely won't, but if I live long enough, my grandkids will be able to discuss a variety of subjects with my wife and I. My children will be able to discuss a variety of subjects with my wife and I at the dinner table. When I was growing up, with my grandmother, there was things that you didn't talk about. You don't talk about abortion. You don't talk about gay rights. You don't talk about things that are real life and in, 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 in that it's, it's upsetting. It's a problem. You don't want to discuss it. Notre Dame's like your grandma. You, we don't speak about these things. We don't talk about these these things. In Notre Dame, there have been some things that have been ugly, But you get by. It's a a college football equivalent of grandma. And grandma's really great, but there are things that you don't want to talk about with grandma. Notre Dame's that way. Notre Dame's a really great job. It's a ton of money. It's a ton of pressure. It's a ton of exposure. And with this, I want to see on Notre Dame X because they are supposed to be above it. And that's why I don't think, though, that Urban Meyer makes sense. Urban Meyer has baggage. You had thirty guys get arrested in Florida. You know what happened at Ohio State, or or there's still people who want to put it at Urban Meyer's feet. He's the head coach of the program, so no matter what angry call I've taken already this morning, I can't look at it and say, "Oh yeah, Urban's completely exonerated everything in the public eye." No, in a court of in the court of law, he is. In the court of what they can prove with the NCAA, he is they suspended him because they wanted to do due diligence. They felt that he did not do everything that he possibly could have. And there's a lot of ways that he probably didn't do everything that he could have, but Urban's upset about that. Either way, you've had two very ugly breakups with two very great, two very great programs that he was in charge of with three national championships. He does have a history with Notre Dame. He was an assistant there. He does have a history in the program. He spent time on the campus. He has plenty of history recruiting in the Midwest, but with what he brings, and how he's ended at two separate programs, high profile, I don't think he's the right guy. I think if you're Notre Dame and you want to move on from Brian Kelly, or Brian Kelly wants to separate. He's always talking about maybe leaving. If you're Notre Dame and, and Brian Kelly's thinking about 2019 being the year that he he leaves Notre Dame, it's a tough job. I think Matt Roll at Baylor is a slam dunk. I think P.J. Fleck at Minnesota is a slam dunk. I think Matt Campbell at Iowa State is a slam dunk. Matt Rule especially, a guy who's cleaned up a program that was as ugly as possible, so you know that there's going to be a standard. And I I say all this, we don't know about everything, obviously, about anything, so we're always a little bit nervous about that. But as far as we can know and as far as we can prove has taken a program that was in the dregs after what happened with Art Briles and what Art Briles allowed, has turned them around, has had them be one of the great success stories in Big 12 football and in college football. P.J. Fleck took over a program that had problems and there was questions about what happened after Jerry Kill and Tracy Clays and really a program that has not been outstanding since the 1930s. He has not 8-0, and so many people got out after me today because I thought, that, or not today, but this week, because when I look at P.J. Fleck, I see Pete Carroll. I see high energy. I see rah-rah. I do see a good football coach. I see a guy that would do wonders at a lot of places. Pete Carroll's been a failure at times, but Pete Carroll's obviously been a wonderful head coach throughout most of his life. I see P.J. Fleck there and Pete Carroll. Well, Ken, Minnesota's overrated. No, they're not. They're 8-0. Anytime Minnesota's ever 8-0, they deserve credit because it's Minnesota just not in the same ballpark as, he, as a couple of other Big Ten schools and a lot of college football programs in the country. When you can get Minnesota 8-0, I have to talk about you with some of the top jobs in college football. Matt Campbell, 5-3 and three right now at Iowa State. Some people are going to say disappointing. I think that's about as high as, as Iowa State football can go. He's had a couple of guys go to the NFL. He's done a remarkable job recruiting in the middle of nowhere. It's your campus in corn, and he's been able to do that. He gets a lifetime contract because he's been a good winner already at Iowa State. They set a very, very, very low bar throughout 100 years of history before him. I think right now it's getting to be quote-unquote nut-cutting time with Matt Campbell at Iowa State. I think those are three coaches. They roll up their sleeves. They grind. They'll try to uphold a standard. All three of those guys, I think they would be phenomenal for Notre Dame. Urban Meyer is glitz and glam. He's Fox Sports. He's LA. He's on a set. He's been to the mountaintop a few times. He's had to resurrect himself a few times. Above all, Urban Meyer knows what college football is. College football at that level, at the level that USC has it at, is about winning. And that's it. And now that you have an NCAA restriction that's being lifted where players can profit from their own likeness, this is Los Angeles, California. These are young, egotistical players, and he can get the very best out of them, and now he doesn't have to worry about guys driving around in cars that they don't know if they were really leasing or not. He doesn't have to worry that much about those sort of things anymore. He doesn't have to worry as much. That type of responsibility has been taken out of his hands. And USC's been through this before. They did it with Reggie Bush. They did it with Matt Leinart. They did it with Keyshawn Johnson. Anytime they've been relevant, they've kind of had to deal with that. Now this restriction's being lifted. Clay Helton's a good football coach. Clay Helton will do a good job in a mid-level Power 5 school. He'll do a good job at a mid-American conference school, or he'll do a good job at a a non-Power 5 mid-major. Jim McElwain's working on CMU right now. He'll make a good Jim McElwain, or he'll make a good Gary Patterson somewhere else. That's, that's not a slight at, at Clay Helton. He's just not. He's not Los Angeles. He's not USC. There's always something missing. It's not at the top of that list. He's not enough of a rock star for USC. Urban makes sense for USC. I don't know how much sense it makes at Notre Dame. I have three candidates right here. I think you'd be very successful. I think you'd be in a college football playoff with those guys. National championships, those are hard to win. And you are still, because of your standard, and that's a good standard to have. You're still behind Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. And then maybe eventually USC. And I'm sure there's another one I'm forgetting about. But you have a good standard, and your ultimate goal, since you don't have, I know you'll want a national championship, your goal is to get to the college football playoff, and then we'll see where it goes. Those three guys are great. I don't think Urban Meyer with the baggage is going to make anybody happy, and I think you have to worry about the way he leaves, not the way he arrives. With Florida and Ohio State, it's been the same thing. Eight five five two one two four cbs Knew I'd go long, and away we go. Because earlier this week, and I've been waiting to do it all week long, and that's why I waited till noon, because then I'd have clearance in Cleveland. I was in the room when Baker Mayfield had it out with the journalist that I can't mention. I was in the room when it went down. If you need a refresher, we have the audio. Take it away, Tom.
0: It seemed like yeah. there was a lack oh, of a urgency there or something, something going on. on.
1: There's a penalty, so we were negative yardage. No,
0: there was a lot of time between snaps.
1: Uh, well, when the penalty happened, then we're behind the chains. No, 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 stop saying but. I just told you the clock was running and we had a penalty. Do you want to give them the ball back? No, you don't play. You don't know it. That's just plain and simple. Was I happy with the drive? No, we didn't score points. It's the dumbest question you could ask. What? Jesus, Trony. Worst thing he did is that he walked off set. I was in the room when that happened. I was interviewing Olivier Vernon and I looked over and I went, oh boy, this looks, this looks awkward. And then he walked off, he stalked off, and there were a couple of things that he, he muttered under his breath. There's a history between the two. And Baker Mayfield, it, and it caught like wildfire, and rightfully so, because it's a national story and he lives in the national spotlight. I can't help any of that. Let me just try to explain it. If you want to call it an excuse, Tom or Billy Jack or anybody on the phones, you go right on ahead. I'll, I'll try to explain it but I'm not going to make an excuse for it. There's a history between the two. Now, I know the journalist in question, and I've met Baker Mayfield on several occasions. They have a history. Before the draft process, the journalist in question said a bunch of things on air that did get back to Baker Mayfield. Questions about his personal life, questions about why he didn't get to the senior bowl practice when he said his mom was in the hospital, which was true. There were questions about that. Also, there was a notorious dust-up with Sports Illustrated's Robert Klemko. Robert Klemko and Baker Mayfield know each other pretty well. Robert Klemko documented the pre-draft lead-up to the draft for Baker Mayfield, and there was a dust-up between the journalist in question and Robert Klemko. Baker Mayfield, we know this, through a year and a half. He's not had a great season so far, but there's no gray area with him. You're either with him or against him, and he treats most media members as if they're against him. And for that guy, and in that moment, for that, I think it was a miscommunication between the two. In the second half of that, Baker's right. Throughout the drive, they do go behind the sticks with a penalty later on. At the beginning of the drive, though, it did, and watching the game back and watching the game live, it did seem like they were slow. I questioned it myself against the Patriots back last Sunday. But because of the history, Baker Mayfield didn't like the line of questioning Tony then turned right back around and said, but, 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 and then asked, well, did you like the outcome of the drive? Well, that's going to be automatically an argument. That's an explanation. That's not an excuse because I think Baker has already arrived to a place where all players arrive. Last week, we highlighted Baker Mayfield in the postgame. We highlighted Sam Darnold in the postgame. People love that Sam Darnold stood out there on the dais and gave an explanation and said, you know, it's still my fault I had four turnovers. It's still my fault that the team didn't do too well. It's still my fault. Said they saw ghosts. And even though the Jets themselves weren't happy about the, the quote getting out where he's seeing ghosts, it's still the true. He was feeling like he was seeing ghosts against the Patriots. And he stood in there and he answered questions well. And people applauded him. They were happy because he's a young quarterback and he did the right thing. There will be a time where that's just not going to happen anymore. You go to Chicago, Mitch Trubisky's answered every question. Mitch Trubisky's been as nice as possible. Mitch Trubisky has given every interview. He's done every event. He's done everything that's been asked of him, except play well. And Bears fans can't stand him. Ultimately, it's how you play. Baker Mayfield's done no favors for himself with how he's played this year. He's just arrived to a conclusion that we all know that every player is going to arrive. Mitch Trubisky's a great guy. They can't stand him in Chicago. If Sam Darnold, who's also a nice young man, goes out there and sucks up the room, well, I know a Jets fan who's working on this show right now. I can't imagine how Jets fans are going to take Sam Darnold if he doesn't play well. If Josh Allen doesn't play well eventually with the Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Bills fans will turn on him. It doesn't matter how nice you are. Ultimately, though, While the media and the athletes always are going to have some sort of a split, and it's probably only going to get deeper and deeper and deeper, the fans usually, usually will take that player's side until they don't play well. This is the first time I think I've ever seen a divide between fans in Cleveland so far when it comes to Baker Mayfield. It's almost unanimously been for Baker Mayfield. It's almost unanimously been against either a coach or against either former presences that were in his life or certainly against the media. This is the first time I've seen him. Because right now, he's realizing what all these players will eventually realize. doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter how mean you are. After kickoff, you have to answer to it. And if you don't play well you're going to hear about it regardless. You can smile, you can shake hands, you can kiss babies, all that. If you don't play well, you're going to get gobbled up. Baker Mayfield hasn't played well so far. And it's been frustrating fans because a football team that they were expecting to get to the playoffs this year really has their back against the wall. And if they don't beat Denver coming up tomorrow afternoon, there are very big questions that people don't want to answer. And also that means that their quarterback, that they took number one overall, probably didn't play well again. If he doesn't play well, they have no argument. They can't make an argument because there is no gray area. He's left none. That's not an excuse. That's fact. The worst thing Baker Mayfield did in that entire situation was just walk off. If he would have continued to answer those questions, if he would have stood in there for a couple more minutes, they were already seven minutes into the press conference and already seven minutes into the availability, I should say, he seemed perfectly fine. A little bit upset that they lost three in a row, as if anybody else would be, but he was perfectly fine until that question came from that journalist. It was an ugly situation. If anybody else would asked that question, he probably would have reacted different. But because there's a history and there's no gray area with Baker Mayfield, that's the way that went down. I wish he would have stayed because now we're asking more questions. And now for the first time for a lot of Browns fans, there's a question of confidence for Baker Mayfield. And the only way he can answer it is to go out and play well on Sunday and play well for the rest of the year. It's the same conclusion that Mitch Trubisky has to reach. It's the same one that Josh Allen and Sam Darnold and Lamar Jackson and any other quarterback, Kyler Murray, any other quarterback has to reach. There will always be a honeymoon. There will always be some understanding. But we're seeing quicker and quicker and quicker throughout a guy's career. The gloves are coming off. And he's left himself no more outs other than to play well on Sunday afternoon. 8552124 855 2124 CBS, 855 2124 227. We'll try to get to some of your calls. Also, Chase Young's a great story. I'm sorry, though. That's where it ends. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855 2124 CBS, five burning questions coming up in like mm, 10 minutes. Also, Jim Everett, 1 p.m. Eastern. Justin Fields can win the Heisman Trophy. I don't know if Chase Young can. And it's probably because, Tom, you can jump in if you want to here. I love Chase Young. I like the Chase Young. I like him way way better than I like the Boses. I like Chase Young because we talk about what he can do for Ohio State first. We don't talk about him in the NFL parlance. With both Boses, it was always NFL, 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 NFL. With Chase Young, it's, wow, look what he's doing for Ohio State. Look what he's doing for them. I don't think, Chase Young's a great story, and I think it would be one tremendous accomplishment if Chase Young could end up at the Downtown Athletic Club. I think that that right there would show just how of a great overall football player he's been this year. I like that he hasn't taken plays off. I like that he ha, he's blocked out people who have tried to bring up the NFL. He's been a great story for Ohio State this year. Part of the revitalization, if you can call it as such, with Ryan Day. I think he's been a great story. But I don't think that he can make the type of Heisman Trophy run that Justin Fields can, that J.K. Dobbins could, that certainly Joe Burrow can, that Tua can, that that Trevor can. I don't think he can do that. Because if I look at the rest of their schedule, the Penn State coming up, they'll have Ohio State coming up. They've got a couple of cupcakes in there as well. Penn State's tough. I said Ohio State. I should say Michigan. Michigan. they got Michigan coming up at the end. Then before that, they have Purdue. But they got a couple of cupcakes in there as well. If I'm going to have any chance... To even stay with Ohio State, I'm doubling up Chase Young. I'm circling Chase Young, Belichick style. You're not going to get a chance to beat me with Chase Young. Justin Fields, he's good enough. He can overcome that. J.K. Dobbins, because of Justin Fields, he's over. He's good enough to overcome that. Tua, if he were available, could overcome that. Trevor could overcome that. Joe Burrow can under- overcome that. You know what I'm saying. That's why it's so difficult for a defensive guy to win a Heisman Trophy. And I'll get Car- Charles Woodson, and I will say he was a returner. He was a guy that would also play snaps on offense. I'll get, I'll get other guys to get brought up about it, but if they can return and they can score, then they get a chance. To me, the only thing that helps Chase Young's case is if somehow he gets a forced fumble touchdown, he gets an interception for a touchdown, he has to score. Because there's so many voters, and I don't think they want to admit this to you. If I'm watching MVP candidates in the NFL, and I'm a voter for the MVP with the Associated Press or something like that, I can watch Russell Wilson on Sunday. I can watch Patrick Mahomes. I can watch those guys play. There's very few games. There are going to be certain games that Heisman voters don't want to admit because they're not all paying attention to it the hardest way possible. There are guys that it's their lives. They're trying to be Beano Cook, but there are guys there who have a Heisman Trophy vote, and they will not want to admit this to you. They're not paying attention to every single game, and if they see Chase Young line up against against Maryland, they're going to turn the channel. They're not going to really give him that type of gusto. Joe Burrow, he's a quarterback. They're going to watch him. Justin Fields, they're going to try to watch that. They're not going to pay as much attention with Chase Young because part of the reason is, is that if you're one of those coaches on one of those teams, you have a barely a shot in hell to win in the first place, but you're going to go, I'm not going to let Chase Young beat me. He's their best defensive player. I have to circle him. I have to double him. I have to make sure all the protection goes to him. Somebody else might benefit, but I don't think he will. You saw the screenshots. Dane Brugler probably still has them on social media. The night that Illinois had three guys blocking Joey Bosa. That's how difficult it is for a defensive guy. Because they'll just swallow you up the best way they can. And you can create, because you're good, you can create opportunities for other people. But you don't have the ball in your hand. You have a very slight chance to do that. Tom, did you have anything there? I thought for a second you clicked in.
2: I did not. But I I agree with you. I think it's even simpler than the game plan, too. I I I I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I didn't know. I have an opinion on it. I just think that he needs to be the guy who is clearly impacting the wins for Ohio State more than any other player in Ohio State to actually legitimately be in the Heisman conversation more than it being a cute thing. And I think, from Mm -hmm. my eyes, I've only seen that happen one time, and it was the Wisconsin game. That's the only time he has been the single most important Ohio State player to the win. Otherwise, it's been Fields all year. So it can, you I, cannot I be the highest candidate when you're not even the most important player on your team.
1: Exactly. I, and I just don't think it'll be enough. I think that when they play Penn State and when they play Michigan, it will be Fields who takes over. It'll be Fields who has their best shot. I think it would be a remarkable accomplishment if Chase Young were to be one of the finalists there, that Ohio State would have two Heisman Trophy, Heisman Trophy candidates in, in the Final Four or Final Five. But I think that look, that would be remarkable enough.
2: But if they look less explosive in those two games, which is possible, and he gets multiple sacks and strip sacks in those games and even contributes to a defensive score. I think score,
1: he needs it. If he scores a touchdown, he needs a, I think he needs to score a defensive touchdown somewhere.
2: I, I agree. Or directly contribute to points on the board. Yeah. Uh, but you, it's, you it's not impossible. Because it has got I, I the games an, to do it, you're right. but it's got to right. happen in those two games that you just
1: it, it, But I, I just think it's so hard. I'm asking him to do something that rarely happens on defense for guys. I think it's a very difficult thing to do, and I, I do believe. I, I know that it's a flimsy thing to some people, but I think it's true. I don't think you can watch. I don't think a lot of the guys who are Heisman Trophy voters, people who are Heisman Trophy voters, are watching it to decide how seriously they take it. I think they follow a lot of the news, and I do think you need highlights.
2: That's why Heisman moments are a thing. Exactly.
1: The Heisman moment. You need highlights. Justin Fields and Joe Burrow, they're going to have way more opportunities to provide highlights and to provide something that shows B-roll than what Chase Young's going to do. Chase Young might have zero sacks and maybe just a couple of tackles in a football game. But if you got two guys who are in rotation on the other side and you still see six sacks overall against Maryland later on, guess what? Chase Young, still in that way, dominated that game. But I don't see any highlights. So my vote probably goes for Joe, Ver- Joe Burrow, or my vote probably goes for somebody else. It's just such a hard thing for a defensive guy to do it. I'd love for him to be able to have that shot. I think he's a great story. I think he's a fine football player. And again, I can't help but love that we still talk college football with a college football player and not necessarily NFL football with him. That's why I'm loving Joe Burrow so much. Joe Burrow, by the time the season ends, he'll he'll shoot right up the board for everybody. It'll be a skyrocket. But right now we're talking college with these guys. And for Chase Young... He just, he, he, it's, it's simple. He's going to need a touchdown somewhere. He gets a touchdown somewhere, we can start to really pick up steam. But regardless, if he's just at the ceremony, I think it would be an incredible accomplishment for him.
0: You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio.
2: It's five burning questions. Tom, take me there, babe. What's happening, Ken? So as we just heard in the update oh, a little bit. just doing the show. Just heard in the update uh, a little bit, the, the Draymond Green situation with the Warriors. He is also injured now on top of Steph Curry, who, of course, broke his left hand. The Warriors said a couple days ago that Curry will be reevaluated three months from now for that broken left hand. Now Draymond Green has a <laughs> ligament issue also in his <laughs> left hand. He can't grip the ball. The Warriors lost their fourth game last night to the Spurs. They lost at home. They are 1-4. Yeah. Are the Warriors leaning in and going full tank this season, Ken?
1: Yes, they are. Yes,
2: they are. Uh, can I ask you
1: another question, back to you, please? What's wrong? You don't want me to ask you a question? No, I'm saying please, please do. It, like, it's not terminal illness. He'll play again. Right. It's not death. Are you allowed to be happy about these things, as a fan? Um, are you allowed to be happy
2: as a Warriors fan? Like, is there a fan, little bit of be- Oh, I see. Like, I see. As not, a I'm talking.
1: As a... I'm talking. Like, like. Yep. You're you're upset, and you're like you're looking at this. You're going. This is. This is. I hate the Warriors. I, I hate I, Steph I Curry. then Steph Curry breaks his hand, and Steph Curry will play again. Steph Curry's not going to die. He's alive. It's Everything's never there. appropriate like,
2: to root for injury, but after it's happened. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can be happy about the Warriors. The Warriors very much enjoyed shoving it in everyone's face. And I'm, I like them. I loved watching them. But they very much enjoyed shoving it in everyone's face the last five years. So now that things have absolutely fallen apart on them in the midst of their new arena opening and all of this, yeah, I think it's okay to be happy about it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's very – see, I don't even want to – I don't even want to, like – I feel like I don't even want to jump on their grave a little bit. Like, people are just doing dances. Dances. The Problem like, is, yeah, it could flip really around good.
2: now. There was no pass to this yeah. getting better, but now they can lean into, well, just the, at, lean into the Curry injury, yeah. keep Draymond out, tank for a top five pick. You know, who knows how the lottery turns right. out, but it's possible they could add but, another plus player in there right away for next year. You know, get Clay back and be good again immediately. It's possible.
1: You're right, but I also look at him and go, man, I, uh, I don't know. I. <laughs> I I don't think it's I don't think it's even great to dance on the fr. It just seems too easy, doesn't it? Yeah. I want to ask a fan. Like I wa- Hopefully, I'll
2: remember that at one twenty Eastern. Because then I kind of was just like, is it okay? It's all right. I think it is because think about what they were. I mean, they were a foregone conclusion for years. They people said that the yeah. NBA was ruined because of how obvious it was that they were yeah. the best team. So in this situation, you're you're, you're celebrating not just their down slight downfall but you're celebrating the opening of the entire and, rest of the league which is worth celebrating
1: and by the way now it's not but all the good teams play out west and all the the premier players play out west and there's no reason to watch eastern eastern time games and so now everything sucks and the ratings are down
2: market it. it's in a weird spot obviously they had a rough couple of weeks coming into the season too in terms of uh <laughs> foreign affairs so Yes, that's true. Lee got turned upside down. All right, let's Go. get right into something from yeah, your can. show earlier this week. You talked to Mo Egger from ESPN Radio on Fox Sports Ohio in Cincinnati. Mo Egger, and he raised yeah. a fascinating possibility.
0: It is a franchise that has exhausted every bit of goodwill that it had built up in the middle of a decade, man. and that it had, you know used to have back in the eighties. It, it doesn't exist, and so oh, you got to talk. This, you got to talk this,
1: to those fans. You really got to talk what, them off that
0: ledge. That's a scary proposition. I don't have to do that. The Bengals have to get them back. I know that, but now wait a minute. Now the Cincinnati Bengals to get back, and when they don't do anything, you can't get them back.
1: Well, Mo, I didn't mean to upset you here, but man, I mean, I'm up here. I'm up here, and we've been in a city where the team has been ripped away, buddy. That is that is a dangerous consequence. That is a scary proposition. I can't. Where would they move to? St. Louis? Is that what you're saying? I,
0: don't, I, I, I First of all, do we really believe the NFL wants a team in Cincinnati? Let me help you with that. They don't. Uh, so uh, well, if they, th- this, is a, this is a... this Look, before the Browns moved to Baltimore, Mike Brown went there in 1993. We've done this before. Um, and it unfortunately resulted in you guys losing your team. And, and, and I agree, the effects of that for a lot of us would be devastating. But it's problematic when... You're in a publicly financed stadium. You're benefiting from the, the most lopsided stadium agreement in all of sports. It has been a drain on the public, a drain on the public for a county that can't afford it. The lease is up. Uh, the team faces an uncertain future. There's no guarantee that they're going to be here in 2027. Good luck getting people to be enthusiastic about forking over another few billion dollars to the Cincinnati Bengals when they show no true desire to actually win.
2: All right. So now you've had some time to think about that mm-hmm. idea. Do you buy into this idea that the Bengals are playing their final seasons in Cincinnati?
1: It seems that Bengals fans want it to be that way, doesn't it? Now, I didn't think I don't the hear stadium a whole lot of
2: Bengals fans. I to be that's honest, what I'm so don't saying.
1: There's a, when, if there's anger, there's at least an emotion. You don't want apathy. That when people always say, I can't believe so-and-so broke up. I thought they were doing, they never argued. Well, that's part of the problem. If there's apathy and they don't care about each other anymore, they'll break up. We do this in relationships. We might do this in professional football. I, I was gobsmacked. That's why I was struggling to find words. I was groping for the words to use. I was gobsmacked by that answer. And I don't know where they would go. It would, would London be a possibility? It seems that Jacksonville always has a line. I don't want any team to move. Let's put that clear first. I don't want any team to move. But I was so shocked by his answer. Would it be St. Louis? They've done St. Louis twice over. Would it be San Diego? Then what do you do with some of the, uh, with some of the different ramifications of what would happen with the divisions? Who would you put in the AFC North then? You can't have a team from San Diego playing the AFC North. Would you move him to San Antonio? Would Jerry Jones allow something like that to happen? Probably not. Would Oklahoma City? Well, probably Jerry Jones would get in there again and be upset. I'm certain Lamar Hunt would have something to say about it. There's plenty of people from Oklahoma who are also Chiefs fans. So this is an ugly situation. I didn't realize how bad it was because I didn't hear anything from him because when people don't care, they don't speak up. So they need to either one, get things going in the right direction or two, there's going to be something terrible that could happen there because when they're bringing up Mike Brown, notoriously cheap, not even an outdoor playing facility, that whole thing happened over what Dayton Welcome Stadium earlier this year with AJ Green and the turf, there's an ugliness to that fan base, what that fan base is feeling towards Mike Brown. And a lot of ways I think, boy, it's just all adds up rightfully so. Next.
2: All right, the Panthers fan base got some rough news this week when GM Marty Herney announced that quarterback Cam Newton is not near recovery yet. He's going to go visit a foot specialist now, Dr. Robert Anderson, in Green Bay. Uh, The quote was, he's done everything he possibly can in the rehab process to get to 100%. Unfortunately, we haven't reached that point. The next step is for him to go see Dr. Anderson and gather more information. It seems super questionable right now, Ken, that we will see Cam play again this season. Will we see Cam in the Panthers' uniform again?
1: No, and I think he should step away from football altogether. I don't think he's ever going to be back to the way he was. Cam Newton has to play a certain way. It's been proven time and time again. You've had one of the Shulas try to help him. You've had different offensive coordinators try to help him, try to change his ways just to elongate his career. But Cam is successful, and he's been a great quarterback throughout most of his career. Let's be serious. Guy was an MVP. So let's not take shots at Cam. I'm not trying to take a shot at Cam. But if he can't play, which they've tried to change him a million times and he's always gone back to the way things work as they needed to win games. If he can't play the way that is, then just hang it up. Just hang it up. If you can't if your body won't allow you or your style of play will not allow you to change how you go through this, then just give it up. You've had a remarkable career. You've been an MVP. Yeah, I'll remember the business decision. I'm sorry. I, I can't help it. You're not a Hall of Famer or anything like that, but you are an MVP. You've had a great career. you got a good personality. There's a little bit of ugliness back there, but you can change that. You could go do TV. You could go do a lot of things. You can just enjoy being a retired quarterback and go enjoy your second part of your life. But I don't think that if he can't come back and play the way he is, and now we're, we're talking about more doctors getting involved on this foot, not less. It's already been time. I think he really needs to seriously consider retirement. You were the first person to bring this up to my mind like before the season started because he started the season with an injury. Uh, I think you're right about it. I think maybe it's time to just end that if, if he can't get back to full health and you're inviting more people and just call it a career.
2: Next. All right, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party is this afternoon. Georgia favored by six and a half points over the Florida Gators, but they have a rough loss to their name already this season against South Carolina. The, Fla- mm-hmm. the Gators have only lost to Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers. So, Ken, is Kirby Smart in any kind of hot seat trouble if he does not win the game today? Yeah.
1: Why wouldn't you be? It's Georgia. If you can't win it, you're, if you're losing to Florida. You're a Florida fan. This is a great question. Where do you expect Florida to be this year? Where did you expect the Gators to be?
2: Basically, where how many they wins? Are. Okay, basically, basically where they're where at. They are, yeah. So, so I, I think didn't think that, they were going to win this game coming into the season. I think that they very well might now. I, I,
1: I mean, I have to say, um, oh god, I keep wanting to call him Felipe Lopez. Why am I drawing a blank? Franks. Help me, Frank's Felipe. Best Frank's. Thing that happened to the team. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you said it, not it. me. We all know it. Everyone I'm glad it. you said it, not me. Thank you very much. Uh I, I think that they've really overachieved. I love the way Florida's playing. I I think they're playing well in basically all three facets. I think the quarterback plays obviously been there. Um they're a formidable opponent, but Georgia, you, you fired Mike Rick for losing two games a season. Yeah. Kirby Smart would be on the hot seat. And you he would has be even taken more upset. them to a
2: higher level than Rick, though. He Undeniably, has taken
1: that, yeah. he has taken them to a higher level, but that's why they fired Rick. Was to get to a higher level. Well, the next level is to go when you get a Sabin When you get a Saban disciple, you're expected to go approach Saban. Dabo Sweeney's a Saban or a former Alabama guy. Dabo Sweeney's won two national championships. Ohio State's back in the mix again. Oklahoma's in the mix again. If you're a Georgia fan, yeah, that's the standard you've set. Now, I don't think that they would fire him, and I don't. I don't necessarily think they should. If he only gets two, he loses two games, he's only been there for a few years now. But yeah, he's definitely on the hot seat if they lose this game. You can't, you shouldn't lose this game. Yes, he's on the hot seat.
2: Okay, Don't last. do so stupid
1: questions. I'm kidding, Tom. That was a good question. Go ahead,
2: buddy. Okay, last one. It was too too hot, too burning for you. Um, all right, last one. <laughs> We're waiting on Steven Strasburg news. Uh, supposedly at a deadline at noon to opt in or out of his four-year $100 million that's left on his Nationals contract that's pretty obvious he's going to opt out it's pretty obvious we don't have news yet because they're waiting for the parade which is about to start in an hour to end (laughs) before they announce that the World Series MVP is opting out assuming that he does opt out (laughs) you you group him with Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon as the top free agents on the market this offseason which of the three would you target for your team with him Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon that's correct Strasburg Cole Rendon
1: Cole 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 Strasburg then Rendon I think it's it, it's been proven fact from Mercado last year. Thank you for this question from Mercado for Arenado for for Bryce Harper. Hitters are overrated. They Machado, just are yeah. Machado. I'm sorry, Machado. The, hitters are just overrated. And I think well, if you're if you're Washington, maybe you'd like to retain one of the two guys there. But I think it goes Cole Strasburg, then uh, Anthony Rendon. I pitching's going to matter. Those guys matter. I would rank them that way. Is that a good good answer for you, Tom? I like it. That's five burning questions. Up next, Jim Everett joins us in a 120. I don't know any other way to put it. You still think coaching's overrated? You might be a dummy. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio.